Hello there, and welcome to this episode of Special Unit 352, or SU352 for short. My name is Max, and this is my co-host Peyton, and we became fast friends over our mutual love of Star Wars. We love Star Wars so much that we wanted to talk about it all the time, so we decided to record it, and we made a podcast about it. Hey Peyton, how are you doing today? Oh boy. Yeah. I'm doing okay, Max. <laughs> This because it's been a very, very off-putting week. Mm, yep, um, uh, and middle of the <laughs> road week I, for both of us. True, true, true. Uh, before I go any further, um, what's up, listeners? Sorry if I sound a bit drab this evening, but well, things happen. Um, I had the second dose of the vaccine. Just a couple of days ago, mm. and I was essentially laid out Wednesday mostly. Um, I got the dose at around like 6 p.m., and um, I wasn't feeling all put together Wednesday morning. And I worked at this little museum for about three hours on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so I figured, eh, you know, might as well just go to the museum, nothing, nothing too bad, nothing too stressful about that and my dad's like oh yeah just have a cup of coffee and go to work well it hit it really hit around 10 30 11 o'clock and uh and then you know by the time it really kind of started getting me i only had like an hour left so i'm like yeah you know might as well just stay and then of course the bus was late and they took their sweet time dropping me off and and then I was essentially in bed the whole entire day. And I actually took um, Dayquil in the afternoon, mm -hmm. which I shouldn't have taken because it messed up my sleeping schedule. Uh, um, so the next day, I, I survived off of three cups of coffee before work. <sighs> but other than that, you know, nothing, nothing else much happened. Woke up this morning, watched the episode, and then I was at work from 10 to 6.45. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> well, I'll show I'm, you mercy. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, Vader altered the deal with me this week. Who boy, that I, I mean, don't alter it further. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's exactly what he said in Empire. I am altered the deal. Pray <laughs> not alter any further. News. Do we have any significant news? Mm, not really. Uh, Kyber Phonic came out with a new, uh, mm -hmm. with several new sound fonts. Uh, uh -huh. Other than that, everything's kind of the same. A couple of new toys came out at Galaxy's Edge, either at Disneyland or Disney World. One or the other, not sure. Let's talk about this episode. Oh, do I guess we have to now. All right. <laughs> so... Uh, seventh episode of our podcast, episode six, decommissioned. What is your now, uh, what is your first impression of this episode? Well, when I heard the title, I immediately thought of Captain Rex or something to do with a clone commander that we knew. Um, but the, <laughs> the thumbnail for this was uh. Was Aumega, uh lit by fire? 
Um, like she was, uh, you could only see her because of firelight. Um, and you couldn't really tell where she was. She was in a dark mm-hmm. place, but you could see her face and she looked scared. So I, well, I we've, didn't know we what it was. We figured out what, ha- what that meant pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, the episode was only 21 minutes. Um, but my first impression was I got really interested in the beginning. And the fact that um, the new job was going to take place on a very familiar planet to people who enjoyed Solo and for, for the people that just know the planet from, you know, just passing reference or who have read the old Legends books. Um, but after that, the episode kind of didn't, it didn't really jibe with me. Um, maybe bits and tiny little pieces did, and then the very, very end of the episode got me all excited again. But of course, you know, little cliffhanger. Um, your first impression? Uh, I was confused by the thumbnail and the title. I literally <laughs> didn't know how these two things coincided, and I was interested within the first few minutes uh of them like oh we're getting a tiny little montage of omega getting good at a bow so that like when she's better later we don't question it that Mm -hmm. makes sense um and everything seemed okay it all seemed to make sense until the martez sisters showed up and then to me the only thing keeping this going was that my guess was about Wrecker was correct. Um, luckily, he uh, I was only half correct, and we didn't actually <laughs> lose him uh, to good uh, good soldiers follow orders. But I did not trust them from the beginning, and I was right to not trust them. So, <laughs> and them? Are you talking about the sisters or the- yeah, the sisters? I don't, I don't. I don't trust them because the, the, the good girl no. is lawful good and the other girl is neutral evil at best and so and chaotic evil at worst and so everything she does is <laughs> is for herself. In, yeah. in, in D&D terms, she is selfish evil, not, not chaotic. She's not chaotic. Mm-hmm. She is looking up for number one, which is her, and she will eventually leave her sister to the curb just like she was going to in the Clone Wars, but that's the reason why I don't like them, and they felt like a really crappy B-plot to staple onto the Ahsoka A-plot that we were all looking forward to in the last season of Clone Wars. It's the the reason why... Ahsoka Tano is the only reason why I watched the final season of Clone Wars, because it's like, what, like season like 14 or 15 or whatever? (laughs) There's a lot to sift through. Seven. There's seven God. seasons. There's seven seasons? That's still so much. That is so much. I know. Well, I think it feels a lot because the first five seasons were like 20, 22 episodes per season. And some of them had like three episode story arcs, but then a couple of them were just like, okay, here's a new super weapon. Here's something else. But the last two seasons, which were only like 13 or 12 episodes a piece. That's when it got pretty interesting. And of course, I watched season seven after finally catching up. You know, 
I mean, I'm all about Osoka too, and her duel with Darth Maul. Um, if if he can really be called a Darth anymore, I don't really know. Oh, he's he's definitely dark side, and I love yeah, that about he, him. But he's not a Sith. He is. Well, wait. What? Are you sure? I. He will. He will like the whole Always thing. Remain- the, the whole thing with Sith is that like. Mm-hmm. In the same way that Asajj Ventress was never, like, ordained as a Sith, Darth mm-hmm. Maul was ordained like a like a pastor and then got kicked out of the church. But he, like, he was still doing, like, to continue with the church mon- <laughs> metaphor, he's still doing curbside preaching. <laughs> right. He's just well, not allowed to do it in a church or he's not allowed to, like, do communion or something. No, no. He's, <laughs> and he's not allowed to have a brother do the same thing oh yeah um, yeah 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 yeah. so like did you see that episode where um they run into Darth Sidious mm-hmm. and he's like you have become a rival mm. um and that was really interesting um but let's let's jump into this um <laughs> yeah enough about one of our favorite villains of all time Darth Maul we'll get to him later <laughs> Let's get to yeah. uh, this crap show of an episode. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to start off. <laughs> do you want to start off? No, I'll, you, I'll jump, I'll jump, you, I'll jump into it. So, we show up where we left off at, in Orn Mantel. And we're back in Sid's place. And by the way, Sid is rapidly becoming one of my favorite people. Favorite characters in this show. I love her personality her she like new york accent kind of uh yes i believe it's brooklyn and the yankees in our community uh and like our six (laughs) listeners uh will call me out on it and to which i say (laughs) what are you doing in florida um (laughs) it's uh it's definitely uh north england uh definitely new england style yeah what you said, North England? <laughs> Sorry, New, New, England. Yeah. New England, not Northern England. Uh, okay. Northern England would be like a redneck of England. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we jump in, and remind me if I'm wrong. Uh, Omega is being trained to use her crossbow by Echo. Echo, that's Echo? correct. Okay. And she's being bullied by a. In a Florian and a Weekway, a Weekway. Yes. And we've seen Weekways employed by um, Jabba. Fun fact, uh, this Weekway, <laughs> uh, as well as several extras later on in this episode, are voiced by Sam Regal, uh, another great, hmm. brilliant, wonderful voice actor uh, who directed the new uh, DuckTales series. Hmm, interesting. Yes, very, very interesting. So, yeah, so they're bullying her, and she's, um, you know, she's trying, and Wrecker, you know, comments that she's not natural. Um, but then, of course, you know, Sid pops up and says, hey, we need to talk. And she kicks out the other patrons in the bar, and she said that she's got a jab for them. So, you know, they get money, she gets money, she's got their back. 
and she keeps them secret, which is the thing that is like it keeps the camera continues to zoom in on Sid and Hunter's faces because Mm -hmm. they're having communication with eyes that the others are not. And um, not that they're not that like tech w- wouldn't put it together. It's just also this mm-hmm. Sid is trying to communicate that she is on their side while it's lucrative for her. So like, You're right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not being mean or trying to blackmail no. him, but like they're like she's trying to like side eye him and be like, look, there's literally no reason for me to not rat you out unless no, you're doing work. She's a businesswoman. Exactly. She's a businesswoman, you know? She's like any, not necessarily a bounty hunter, but more like a... Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, um, more like a, would you say she's more like a grief carga type of person? Yes. She goes where the money is. Right. I mean, you know, I love grief carga and of course, you know, he turns totally different and Mandalorian season two, but um, so yeah, the job is getting a hold of a tactical droid from Corellia in a at a decommission facility, which is interesting. I did not know that that was a thing on Corellia, which no. I think adds a new level of depth to Corellia. I like it. Well, when I'm when I heard about you know Corellia, I almost thought. Oh, are we going to get a very young Han Solo in this episode? I, I I literally jumped to that thought because Han Solo would be about 10 years old at the time. Oh. Um, yeah, so I don't know if he was already running <laughs> um, coaxing for Lady Proxima or not. Um, That's a good question. I actually don't know. But... Don't remember. I know in the old legends, I believe he was doing something different. I don't think he was an orphan yet at ten. I may be wrong. That the, all the all the Han Solo backstory has always been a bit jittery. That makes um, sense because there was a Han Solo duology written back in the eighties, which I never got my hands on, and then there was a Han Solo trilogy. That I read two out of three of the books, and he had um, a lady friend. I don't even remember what that old you know that was about. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of the same deal with Lando. You know, they come out with a couple of Lando books, and then it's like, oh, you know, they never really touch on it again, or they're they're oriented more towards kids' stories. You know, kids, whatever. So. Um, you know, that was my thoughts with, you know, being back on Corellia. So you want to take it from here? It's a bit visual. A uh, lot of visual stuff going on. Yeah. And surprisingly, uh, it, as visual as it is and as, like, non-descriptive as it is, uh, it's pretty physically dark. Like, it's kind of hard to see, um, actually. Um, the Bad Batch <laughs> pull a Han Solo and stick their ship to the bottom of another ship, and uh, you know what? I didn't even realize that was a Han. You know, I, I knew it was a Han Solo rumor. I mean, not rumor, but a Han Solo thing. But I didn't actually put it together while I was watching it this morning. Yeah, when Echo remarks but, that this is an yeah. old trick, Tech responds that it, it has gotten them past planet, planetary sensors every time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Omega asks, why is a tactical droid more important than other droids? And Echo replies that the more tactical droids fought, the more they learned and the more they won. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, specifically against clones. And now that the clones are serving the Galactic Empire, knowing how to beat clones just went up in value. So Interesting. We... Yeah. We as the audience immediately tie like we don't know who the buyer is, but uh, but Echo, e, uh, Echo and Tech look at each other and they immediately have both clocked that this could be this could be someone in the resistance, but this could also be the Not Empire resistance. trying to cover their tracks. You like, mean rebellion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rebellion. Don't, don't talk to me about the resistance. <laughs> should, I hear enough it, about the resistance. It's the rise of the resistance, even. No. Oh, uh, God. That's the, only <laughs> thing, that's the only resistance thing. I mean, I know there's a resistance series, which I've never even watched. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's all about Podamron and whatever. So, yeah, unknown people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not whatevering you. I'm whatevering the, the story that they thought that they could sell to us was. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the clones disembark and they enter uh, the Coronet City's industrial district. They avoid two patrolling police droids. Uh, when Hunter says that Sid did not mention the droids, Tech observes that they're operating on uh, on a cycle rotation. Uh, on a rotation and advise mm-hmm. and like tells them um, where the loophole is in the rotation. And they mm-hmm. point up to tech leads them to a long ladder, which leads to a small door at the bottom of the ladder. Wrecker, who's already been like rubbing his head this whole time, looks up and the screen goes wobbly. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I can't do this. <laughs> and yeah, you, I noticed that throughout he, the episode. He's not this, himself. No, he's not. There's something wrong with my boy Wrecker. Foreshadowing. <gasps> Um, <laughs> uh, inside the decommissioning plant, uh, a conveyor belt drops droid bodies down into a big fiery smelter, which looks a lot like the thumbnail. Uh, the yeah. factory has several workers who are fully covered in masks and suits. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like hazmat suits <laughs> covered, uh, covering humanoid bodies. We're like, we're not really Interesting. sure. Interesting. Um, while exiting a doorway, yeah. Wrecker knocks out a worker. <laughs> it says, naughty, naughty. Actually, before you continue, I wanted to just let you know, yeah. this whole factory scene kind of reminded me of the droid factory on um, Genosis. Yeah, definitely. It uh, kind of felt like that vibe to me. Yeah, uh, a lot less red and a lot less yellow. Like, it it was legitimately, sure. literally dark. Um yeah, uh, I I'm I don't saying, like, all the conveyors in the ways. Yeah, I definitely think I definitely so. see that. Yeah, um, they they go to split up. Uh, Hunter tells Echo and Tech that they will locate and retrieve the droid, and uh, Wrecker has to uh, cover from them above. And Wrecker grumbles that it, that was Crosshair's job, and Hunter is like, "I'm I'm not asking. I'm telling." And Omega's like, what do I do? And uh, Hunter says, stay, stay put. 
like a good father figure. Uh, while the clones <laughs> move into position, she watches uh, and with her little binocular looking things, uh, and they uh, Hunter goes, uh, Hunter and Echo take out uh, a couple of guards, and Echo's looking. Uh, plugs himself into the control panel and starts looking for the tactical droid. Uh, Hunter says uh, Echo finds the only tactical droid that is listed in the computer system and that the rest have been destroyed. Uh, Hunter announces to the group that they only have one shot at this and tells them that they have to get it right. And then <laughs> the Martez sisters join the fight. You know, oh the lovable uh. sisters from before. Okay, hear me out. Hear Go me ahead. out. <laughs> As someone that is, like, I understand, like, I've done the research. I understand the first wave, second wave, and third wave of feminism. I'm 100% behind more feminine characters and more female presenting or mm -hmm. AFAB characters in Star Wars. We need mm -hmm. that. I understand mm -hmm. that Ray is a one-to-one Luke-to-Luke-turned-girl story. I totally get that. My problem is not with these, these girls doing these things. My problem is that I don't like the way that they've been written. Uh, so, no. so Rafa, which is the evil one... <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's the bad one, and she has been, and she hasn't changed her views. And like that's that's just the long that's this the long and short of it. And that's I the mean thing. Yeah, I mean there's not much time elapsed between season seven and now when season seven of Clone Wars, that is, when they were introduced in the Undercity. And um, and Trace Martez is uh, Trace Martez is here, and she is the lawful good paladin, so so good that she is naive to how evil her sister is. Story, and <laughs> I I hate it. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like Jafar from Aladdin hanging <laughs> out with Aladdin, and Aladdin isn't getting how evil Jafar is. Like mm -hmm. a, a, within seconds of the movie, Aladdin, like he immediately checks that like oh not only is jafar really sketch but now i do not want to affiliate with him at all but like yeah. this whole time rafa is 100 percent really selfish only thinking of herself and there's no way that you could misconstrue her words and trace is like oh but she's a good person i've known her all my life it's probably <laughs> fine like no you should be the one that trusts her the least what yeah. are you talking about it's just not I didn't believe it in Clone Wars, and I 100% don't believe it here. <laughs> well, here's my question to you. Who do you think wrote these characters? I don't know. Because it definitely wasn't Dave Filoni. It, it makes me upset that, like, they're, like, they, they act like they're, like, a Dungeons & Dragons alignment chart. Like, <laughs> they talk at each other. They don't talk with each other. <laughs> like the whole time in Clone Wars, they were like, "Why don't we? Why don't we communicate?" And like, there's just no communication because the writers <laughs> right. didn't want them to have any. 
Mm-mm. If Trace Mm-mm. actually listened to her sister, she would go, oh, shit, she's evil. <laughs> and just skip. <laughs> just get in her ship she just made and leave. Like, there's there's no way. There's no way. Like, there. oh, man, come on. So... <laughs> Well, I anyway, mean, anyway, so we get to the Martez entanglements here. Uh, Echo says that the droid was offloaded in the north, north, the northern conveyor belt. Meanwhile, Omega spots the droid, uh, but its head is broken off. Uh, as she's looking at it, a hazmat, a person in a hazmat suit, jumps up and steals the droid's head. Which is apparently, according to Tech, the thing that you need. Uh, and Hunter tells her to stay put, and Omega, of course, runs off to intervene and block off the hazmat character. Uh, and uh, Omega aims her new crossbow at her, but the figure removes her helmet, revealing herself, opens her helmet, uh, revealing herself to be Rafa Martez. She says uh-huh. she doesn't want to hurt her, but that she can't have a kid getting in the way. She yeah, will. Well, per, she is admitted to perform, wanting to perform child murder <laughs> on a animated TV show, and we're supposed to applaud her for for almost kind of sometimes saving people. Uh uh-uh. uh no. Mm-mm. Anyway, no. no. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trace. Con- Trace Martez contacts her by comlink saying that she has gotten the target and is asking where she is. Omega says not to answer her and pulls the and pulls the crossbow bolt back and aims it at her, but her arms are wobbly. Uh Trace asks Rafa uh what is taking so long as she descends down a flight of stairs. Trace runs straight into uh, Hunter's guns. <laughs> uh, sensing that Omega is inexperienced with the crossbow, Rafa tries to sweet talk her and uh, grabs the crossbow, causing Omega to fire a bolt uh, into one of the vents, making a loud gas releasing noise and uh, knocks Omega's crossbow out of her hands somewhere else. It falls out. It falls out of camera range. Mm-hmm. Um, the workers naturally hear the giant uh, boom, boom, and they say there's a security breach, and they flee behind a blast door and set the alarm on, and they send robots in to fight them. This is literally the smartest I have ever seen a security force in the history of sci-fi. They were like, oh, bad guys are here. Hit the button, leave. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not, not dying like the, for this this is a 9 to 5 I'm out <laughs> I'm not like the original stormtroopers stuff with open the blast door open the blast door close the blast doors close the blast doors on the Death Star uh uh-uh. uh like, I'm not here to die for this I, I'm taking some PTO I'm out <laughs> and, well the, I think the problem with stormtroopers is they think there's so many of them you know that they can take out five people yeah, or four people, whatever. I mean, yeah, two bucks is probably worth seven or eight people. Um, but yeah, know, definitely. S- stormtroopers definitely apply the uh, we are an anthill. <laughs> You've kicked an anthill and eventually we'll beat you. Uh, yeah. So uh, the nice one is at gunpoint with 
uh, Echo, Hunter, and Tech. And uh, Rafa, the mean one, is stuck with Omega uh, while the robots all storm in. And so, where's Wrecker during all of this? Uh, Wrecker is uh, running overhead, uh, is higher than anyone in the building, and when Rafa and Omega start take, start getting shot at, he's the first one to shoot uh, on their behalf and try to like carve them a path to keep them uh, keep them going. Because in the moment, they are literally on in a hall on like a rail in the middle of the building. Like they have absolutely zero cover, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wrecker is trying to carve a swath through all these robots uh, for them from a distance. Uh, let's see where I have that in my notes. Um, uh, Rafa tells him... Uh, Wrecker mows down three security droids. Uh, Rafa takes the opportunity to flee. Meanwhile, the other clones exchange fire with the police droids using the spiral staircase around the control console as their stronghold. Um, Omega pursues Rafa, the bad one, despite Hunter <laughs> telling her that uh, they already have the droid head. However, at, at hearing that, Trace, the nice one, takes the opportunity <laughs> to flee. Uh, Trace, the nice one, tells Rafa, the bad one, that she has gotten the droid head and to meet them at the rendezvous point. Hunter tasks the other clones with, <laughs> with uh, Echo and Tech uh, with getting the lockdown lifted while he follows uh, Trace, the good one. Uh, <laughs> Trace manages uh, to throw the tactical droid's head to Rafa before Hunter can catch her. However, Rafa bumps into a police droid, causing her to drop the, drop the head that everyone is looking for back onto a conveyor belt. Omega and Trace uh, both say at the same time, I've got it, and take two different paths to the conveyor belt. Uh, And leaving Trace, the good one, and Hunter to uh, shoot more and more police droids. It feels like there is an onslaught of police droids. I'm talking about the more there were at least... There, I can't remember a single shot, a single frame that I remember that had less than three police droids in it. Yeah, they, there were certainly a lot of them. It felt like, if you can An imagine army. how many droids there are at the beginning of episode, uh, like in the final Act 3 fight against the Gungans in Episode 1. Star Wars, the movie, the Episode 1. Um, mm-hmm. The Phantom Menace, the movie. They, <laughs> it It feels like that many it feels like they never run they're not running out of droids to throw at the whomever has assaulted this decommissioning uh building Mm -hmm. and uh omega slides down uh slides down a chute somersaults and grabs the head uh before Rafa can get to it. The bad one. The bad one. <laughs> and uh, 
while tech exchanges fire with a group of armed police droids. Echo attempts to release the droids uh, while he's still plugged in with his droid arm. However, instead, the only thing he could actually do was just turn the whole system off like it's a Windows computer. Uh, <laughs> Echo's, <laughs> Echo's like, what the heck did you do, man? And Echo's like, it's the best I could do. I, we need Wrecker to go over and re- hit the manual restart button uh, to uh, on the main control panel to reset everything and open the blast doors. Mm-hmm. Wrecker tries to join them, but finds that the walkway has been retracted because the power is out. Echo tells him to figure it out, and Wrecker this whole time has been woozy, and every time, uh, every couple of minutes the camera will cut to his view and it's wobbly and it's zooming in and out uncomfortably. He's, he's not having a great time. Wrecker no. res- and uh, Wrecker responds to, e- to Echo telling him to just do it. He says it's easy for him to say and uh, Wrecker takes a leap and jumps onto a mechanical grabber which he uses to swing across the platform. Uh, Wrecker bumps his head onto the lever as he lands. Um, mm. Head first. Tech asks, uh, what is he waiting for? And Wrecker is struggling. Uh, he pulls the lever and reactivates the conveyor belt. Uh, and Wrecker uh, Wrecker is contorting with pain. He is on the floor. Um, he is shot by by two police droids and is on the floor convulsing at this point. And the whole time we're hearing him uh, shout and grumble and moan in pain. And the only two words that we keep hearing from him are good it's soldiers. soldiers. Uh, and the next time we cut to him... We not only hear his voice, we hear Crosshair's voice superimposed onto his words, good Mm -hmm. soldiers, which gave me goosebumps. That was the one good, the one good part of this, of this scene, of this whole episode. Yes, I I almost thought we were going to lose record in this episode. I I but, still think that we're gonna have to do the uh, oh we need Tex McGuffin to either fix Wrecker <laughs> or Crosshair and we're gonna fix Crosshair uh, we're gonna fix Wrecker uh, thus condemning Crosshair oh the mm-hmm. one Star Wars news that I remember is that the composer for the Bad Batch uh, was so moved by watching what he had to what he had to compose for. Uh, in the final episode of Bad Batch, that he was moved to tears before he started writing music for it. Oh boy! And like, you know, we're only we're almost two episodes until the um. Now yeah, we got episode seven, and then we got episode eight, which is the halfway point. Yeah, we are nearly at the halfway point. Yeah. Oh so boy. I'm thinking if we're gonna if something's gonna happen with either Wrecker or Crosshair, it's gonna happen during that maybe halfway point. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you think it'll be. We'll we'll, we'll take that. We'll see. <laughs> so uh, while Wrecker is having his crisis moment, uh, Aumega has her leg stuck under a giant droid uh, when she went to go grab the head. 
uh, Rafa, the bad one, takes the <laughs> droid head from her and just leaps over the side and just leaves. And Omega's doing her best to leap to get out of there, and Rafa can't looks over and goes, "Oh, I am supposed to be some kind of Star Wars protagonist. I best I I better go help her." And does her best and actually does end up helping uh, Omega out. But, like, it to the detriment of her character, like, that's not what Rafa would do. I would have, well, yeah, that's true. You know, I would have preferred, actually, you think one of them should have died in this episode? I I don't know where they're going with them. I, I trust Filoni. And so if he thinks that bringing them into the Bad Batch series is a good idea, I'm I'm willing to well, first of all, it's already happened and second of all, like we'll I hope he has a plan. Um and if not, then we'll go from yeah, there, whatever. I guess. But like yeah. I don't know, man. I don't, I just I didn't like them when they cuz they felt really wishy-washy. Uh cuz like <laughs> Rafa this whole time is like, I'm selfish, 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 and then mm-hmm. finally does selfless acts, but it doesn't feel like a character growth. It feels like, in, in the Clone Wars, it felt like they were just like, oh, and then she does a good thing. It felt forced, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if they just had, like, Trace or something, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like, I don't think they needed to have both sisters, or they should have added a third sister or something. And uh, or at least to save Omega, I, it makes more sense to for Trace to have saved her, mm-hmm. uh, the good one to have saved her. It doesn't make any sense to me that uh, Rafa was the one to save her. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Trace drops down. Um, uh, Omega is in, is standing, falls into the the open smelter uh, area, and she's standing on bits of droids that haven't been melted yet, and she's scrambling like, up to the top. Feels like Toy Story three. Yeah, it got real. It got really real real fast when I saw her drop into the vat and it's just like oh you're like eight inches away from being completely destroyed completely melted this could be gross real quick uh right i knew they weren't going to because it's a it's a disney product uh but like well not just that omega is you know she's kind of a main character so yeah and it's not that they're not afraid to kill off main characters but they and they but they don't do it on screen like I guarantee you, they're like the way that they had it framed. Like there was no way that she was like there was an, like eight minutes left in the episode. Like one hundred percent, she wasn't going to die there. She so uh, Rafa uh, pulls a, a leg. No, uh, Omega runs yeah. over and grabs a leg and throws yeah, the leg up uh, towards Rafa. And is able to, uh, between the two of them, they're able to help each other uh, get Omega out of the vat, uh, which is terrifying. Um, 
uh, Trace, the good one, uh, drops down <laughs> next to them and Hunter, who helped them pull uh, pull Omega out. After shooting another police droid, she says to Hunter that the tactical droid belongs to them. Hunter says we could debate that later, but we have to work together to get out. Uh, Rafa reluctantly agrees. Uh, while Tech and Echo reunite with Hunter, uh, Omega and, Marte- and the Martez sisters... Um, uh, a wounded wrecker struggles to get up while hearing flashbacks of Tech and Crosshair telling him that a good soldier uh, follow follows orders. orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter warns the others that more police droids are headed on their way, and the camera cuts out, uh, cuts to outside of the building where there is, in fact, a battalion of police droids, like a Trade Federation amount of police droids. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, So when Trace asks if there is... uh, uh, Trace says says, uh, they need a diversion. Rafa grabs Trace on the shoulder and says, we need a diversion. When Trace says, uh, asks if there's an echo in here, Echo raises his hand and says, yes, hi. (laughs) Uh, I like... <laughs> Trace tells Echo that they need a diversion and that Omega can help with that. Um, Trace uses a tool to tinker with the tactical droid head, explaining that they can reactivate the decommissioned battle droids that are all around them. Uh, when Hunter warns that reactivating the clankers is dangerous, uh, Trace says, uh, not if they're controlling them. Tech agrees this is an excellent idea. However, they press the go button and it just says low power and quits. Uh, Tech l- grabs two sci-fi looking sticks and jams them into the head of the of the tactical droid. Uh, uh, one of which is they're called a, a power bank and a data rod. They literally could have called it whatever. Um, and he pulls out a little computer and starts typing away. And Tech says that he's going to be working on it. Uh, And right when uh, Omega... uh, Omega and Rafa... Literally everyone is saying that they need more time. As more police droids converge on the clones and and the Martez sisters, Wrecker comes down guns blazing and takes out several battle droids. I think I counted nine. Um, Wow. He is lively and humorous and laughing, and he is back to himself. Uh, at the moment. Uh, at the moment. Rafa, em- <laughs> Rafa, the bad one, admits that she goes, ooh, I like this one. <laughs> Man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel so awful if, if something does happen to Wrecker later on. Yeah, but we, we we're gonna, we're gonna look back at all this and we're gonna be like, oh no, you know, he's not gonna last. But I'm hoping that I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, as Wrecker fights a second wave of droids, uh, Tech finishes programming the droids, the tactical droids' head. Um, I don't know if it described it well. What was happening was, uh, like as Wrecker is getting is like falling back. Um. He he has a police droid's body, and he is using the body to deflect uh, bolts, uh, blaster yes, bolts. 
Yes, it did. It described that. That's awesome. Unfortunately, there was a moment where uh, he the the tech body took direct took took, uh, took a couple direct hits, and that knocked Wrecker off his feet. And he stands back up and continues to use the body as a shield, falling back into the position with the other, uh, the other of Clone Force ninety nine. I. Um, the deactivate uh, trace commands the the newly activated tactical droid to activate all battle droids to attack the police droids. Uh, you see a whole bunch of red lights come on on the conveyor belts, and uh, <laughs> we get such wonderful lines from the droids as, Did we win? <laughs> <laughs> and the tactical droid says, uh, Destroy all police droids. And they're like, All right, orders are orders. And they do. <laughs> they just start shooting. I love, I love that. Although we did not get Rather Rather. Right. Uh, Which, that would have been a good line to kind of throw in there. Yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, the clones and the Martez sisters take advantage of the gunfight to flee, uh, and Trace radios R7 for a pickup, and Omega picks up her laser crossbow on the way out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run into more police droids who open fire on them as soon as they round the corner. Uh, Trace drops the droid head, and they shoot the droid head. Uh, the, the police droids shoot the droid head. Um, Omega uses her crossbow to take out some more uh, over the shoulder of Trace, because Trace has mm-hmm. kind of been overlooking at the droid head. Uh, as the battle droids mow down police droids, the clones and the Martez sisters flee aboard the Martez sister ship called the Silver Angel. Uh, <sighs> While their uh, R7 droid parts uh, pilots the ship, Trace grumbles about not being able to retrieve the tactical droid head. Reminds uh, me of that uh, starfighter that Anakin had named the Azure Angel. Mm. And of course, you know, he was referring to Padme during that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Omega says that Sid's buyer is not going to be happy. Uh, Rafa, the bad one, asks the clones if they did not know who they were giving their information on the tactical droid's head to. Hunter says that they are being paid to acquire and deliver, not ask questions. Uh, Trace, the good one, says that their contact is part of the movement that is fighting against the Empire to help people and make things better. When Rafa, the bad one, asks why the clones are not fighting the Empire, uh, fighting for the Empire, Hunter says that not all clones fight for the Empire, adding that we're different. Rafa says that she has heard that before. Later, uh, the sisters drop the Bad Batch and Omega uh, near uh, their ship, the Havoc Marauder. Uh, Omega invites the sisters Ooh, to visit them on Ord Mantel, and Trace, the nice one, says that uh, that's a pretty seedy, gross place. And Omega's like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, Rafa, the bad one, encourages her to practice uh, with her crossbow. And after Omega leaves, Hunter passes <laughs> Rafa, the bad one, a data rod <laughs> containing the intelligence from the tactical droid before it was destroyed. When Rafa, the bad one, asks why he is giving it to them, Hunter replies that they are doing it for the right 
At least they are doing it for the right reasons. When Rafa remarks, uh, the bad one, remarks that the clones are different, um, Hunter replies that things were clearer uh, when we were just soldiers. Rafa, the bad one, advises that in the end, they all take sides, and she makes a pained... She gives a pained look at him, is how I would describe her face. Like a mm-hmm. like a face full of regret. Like she did something that she didn't want to do. And as the silver angel takes off, Omega waves to Rafa, the bad one. Omega and Hunter depart aboard the Havoc Marauder. And we do a black slide cut over to uh, the silver angel flying into deep space, uh, uh, into space, uh, and uh, Rafa, the bad one, gets uh, R7 <laughs> to establish a hologram transmission. Uh, and we get to see an unidentified individual in robes uh, and tells them that they managed to obtain the intelligence from the tactical droid on Corellia with the help of a squad of rogue clones. She adds that she knows where to find them, but that the unidentified person uh, that the unid- and that the unified unidentified I can say that word uh, I just can't spell it uh, the unidentified person might want to know cut to credits the big question on everyone's mind who is the cloaked figure okay here's 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 something I want to tell you right now I didn't even know they were cloaked because, definitely uh, definitely robes okay because I it, it didn't tell me that. So I assumed it was gonna it was a possible clone commander. Um, but now that you mentioned cloaked, we got some we got some uh interesting suggestions here. Um, what do you think? I think that the cloak is a red herring. I feel really? like it it physically looked a little too reminiscent of Senator Palpatine's uh, uh, videos when he his holograms when he was cloaked. Uh, hmm. It's it was in the bottom left corner of the screen. It was hard to figure out, but it one hundred percent is a what looks like a force wielder cloak. We don't know if it's a Jedi. We don't know if it's a Sith. We don't know if it's Darth Maul wearing a cloak again for some reason. We don't, like, we have no idea. All we know about them is that they didn't listen to Edna Mode and they're wearing a cape. <laughs> okay, no capes, darling. No, Robert. My so God, you definitely don't fashion. think it's, you definitely don't think it's, um, Ahsoka. I, ooh. Ooh, it could be Ahsoka. <laughs> Ahsoka was wearing a cloak. But, I mean, the, the the cloak, you said it looked like a force wielder, but, you know, for all we know, that could have been a senatorial cloak. That's fair. So it could be Mon Mothma, for all we know, or Senator Organa. Lord. Now, that would, be, that would be very interesting, because at this point, I don't recall if Ahsoka is actually with the Rebel Alliance. I don't think she is quite yet. I believe it's way too early for her to be involved. Because uh, I know she goes into hiding. Yeah. Um, for a while. She left her lightsabers behind. She did not make any lightsabers 
for a while. So I don't you know what I don't I don't think it is Ahsoka. I would be surprised if it was Ahsoka, but I don't think it is. That makes sense. Uh, back to your possible Palpatine suggestion. Are you saying Rafa, the bad one, um, <laughs> has... <laughs> it, it is funny. On the receiving end of that joke, it is funny. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to name this episode um, Special <laughs> Unit 352, Episode 7, um, The Bad Bats, Episode 6, Decommissioned, or The Bad One. Or the bad one. The bad one or the good one? I don't know. <laughs> the goodies and the baddies. Uh, are these the baddies? I think we are. Um, um, go ahead. So, do you think, you think Rafa, the bad one, <laughs> you think she has tricked uh, Trace, the good one? I, I have no reason to believe is- otherwise. I, I think that Trace would have been the only reason why Trace would be okay with the phone call and be working for somebody is if they were not higher up in uh, in the Empire. Even if they are working for the Empire, which is probably what Rafa, the bad one, is actually angling, she has had to find a way to talk to a person, to talk to a person, to talk to a person, to be tangentially a way uh, to get find a way for them to get paid because that's her number one goal. Have it money, is. keep flying. So like, I I don't think um, they're on the right um, side. I don't think they're on the right side, and I true. don't think Trace knows it. And we've been through this before, and I don't like it. No, I I don't like it either. Um, I just thought, I just thought of another um possible candidate for this robed figure. Yeah. Um it's a long shot and I don't I know we don't know too much about her but uh Barris Offy. Do you recall her? No. So she was another Padawan alongside Anakin. I believe her master was hang on Luminara Unduli, I believe. Luminara. Okay. Uh, she, yeah, she and Anakin Hated each other. Oh no, no, no! She hated Ahsoka. Um, actually, she was the one that framed Ahsoka for the bombings at the temple. Oh, the one that went Sith. Well, I wouldn't say Sith. Maybe she, Inquisitor. Yeah, she was um, red lightsaber. I, she she fell to the dark side. Whether or not she's Sith or not, that's yeah. Um, but I know she had a she had a bit of a grudge against Anakin too, and I know Anakin dueled her. Um, yeah, and pulled out the trusty, uh, oh, what is, uh, the, the Skywalker baseball bat technique? I don't know if it described that, but you know the thing, you know the thing that, uh, Darth Vader does to, uh, Luke to cut off his hand in episode five is Mm -hmm. the same move that Luke uses in episode six to cut off Darth Vader's hand, and uh, we get to see that move used. The first time that we see it used in the Clone Wars is against that Padawan. When okay. we ju- and it's literally a baseball bat. If you were to take a baseball bat and just swing over and over and over again, like you're trying to chop down a tree, 
That's form mm-hmm. five in a nutshell. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. So, for all we know, it could be her. Possibly. I don't really know how high up she is. No um, idea. Her, her story is really shaky. I feel like. Um, but, you know, that, that's a possibility. Um, if you were to pick any two characters... Yeah, to replace the sisters, who would you have picked? Oh my God! Like uh, honestly, anybody. Uh, the uh, it it. De- I mean, like it depends on who would be like chronologically available. Like sure, uh, like we c- It's like the beginning of the empire. So like Han Solo is like ten, so that's so not Han happen. Solo and Kira maybe. Uh, like that it would be too. It, they would be way too young. Like we we yeah. need someone. We we would need someone with a ship. So like even hmm. uh, even our boy Lando's out because he's human ish, and and he's only two years older than Han. Yeah, so like that's not happening either. So we're looking at like like uh, any. Uh, like this is a uh, this is a mercenary job. So like any of the bounty hunters that we've run into in the past, uh, Boba may- Fett possibly. Mm, he's no. still he's still pretty young. Yeah, but he's a lot more. He he knows a lot more than Solo or Lando or Kira would have known. Yeah, Probably. I feel like Just, if we uh, didn't we run into him in Clone Wars with Ara Singh? We we did we did. Um, well, she was bent, hell bent on getting revenge against Mace Windu. Um, makes sense. Well, I had a couple candidates, not by name, but possibly some Padawans that survived Order 66. Go on. <laughs> and they would have to learn to trust the clones. See, I would like that. I would really like, especially, especially, I know you haven't played, uh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order, but. I know who Cal Kestis is. I I mean, I I know the name. So, like, a lot of that whole, a lot of that game is a a big parallel to the Bad Batch right now. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't know, they don't know who they're friends with, they don't know who they can trust, in the same way that Cal Kestis uh, is like 10, 12 years old when all of this happens. And so he mm. doesn't know who he can trust. He doesn't know where to go. And mm-hmm. he he picks up a few friends along the way. I feel like we're going to not only run into some Inquisitors with the Bad Batch, I'm afraid we're going to run into some sisters. Like Seventh Sister or Second oh, Sister. Boy. And with that, because... a those sisters, uh, spoiler alert for all of Fallen Order here, bleep this out if you don't like it, um, skip a couple seconds, um, the sisters, the second sister, seventh sister, all of those, uh, die. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cal kills the seventh one, and, uh, the second one, uh, second sister, which was the, kind of the big bad, you know, other than Vader, gets killed by Vader. When she fails him, I'm not surprised. I know there's a, I think there's a sound font on her. It's good. Her sound yeah, font's I, real I, good. I've heard, I've heard um, the demo of it. 
Well, speaking of sisters, I did hear a rumor that Darth Maul might pop up in the Bad Batch. I I don't know where he goes from here. I mean, I know he well, becomes a thing. Hey, Crimson Dawn, yeah. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if, if we did run into Darth Maul or some, I don't know. I don't, I, the possibilities are too endless, I believe. Um, let's switch subjects to the opposite side. Do you really think that Echo does not have a uh, backup? for the data on the uh, tactical droid? I think he does. I think that it would have been very unwise of Hunter to have not made a copy. In that short amount of time? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't feel like, I don't feel like Tech would have handed it over if he didn't have a spare. True. I don't think so either. But... but um, uh, but even if they do, they're going to catch flack from Sid regardless, but she's going <laughs> to well, send him out on another mission. I can't wait to see that. I mean, that's going to be in like, the next episode. Oh, yeah. Definitely the beginning of the next episode. <laughs> you idiots, you stinking <laughs> idiots. Okay, here's a new job. <laughs> You're going to go to Tatooine and talk with Jabba about something. <laughs> there you go. Talk to Jabba. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, so, it's, it's almost Midwestern. Ooh, gosh. Ooh, darn. Go down there to Jeba. <laughs> Go see well, what he I has think, down there to see. Oh, my, my goodness. Question. I'm not the question that just popped up in my head. Go for it. Um, how, how old is Din Djarin at the time? Uh, He is. <laughs> he's a kid. Yeah, but how Like, how he, old do you think he is? He is. As old as Han Solo is at the at the fall of the Empire, immediately after the Empire has fallen. So is he already in um, in with Death Watch? I think so, and I think the Death Watch is in hiding. I don't think we're going to see any Mandalorians. No, I, I don't think so either. But you know, it would have been I don't know interesting. Um, do you think we're going to see uh, Finnick? Shan pop up again in the next episode? Uh, maybe not that next episode, but she's definitely coming. Hmm. She's uh, she's already tagged as following them, but true, true. she's following cool. them through space. Mm -hmm. So, like, she, they're going to be a little bit harder to find. <laughs> well, I'm surprised she hasn't tracked them to Orn Mantell. I mean, there's no way no one could have not figured out who they are. I mean, I'm not saying it's Sid. Unless, uh, unless Sid has scrambled it on purpose. Interesting. I think Sid takes care of her own. Yeah, I think she does too. Um, but we also haven't really checked in with Crosshair and Admiral Tarkin yeah. for a while. Operation War Mantle is really scary uh, because <laughs> uh, we only saw a bit of it. And that, then we it's been radio silence. So like... it. Yeah, and then mm. we... Um, and then we hear the name of it in uh, Rogue One. Yeah, I don't like it. It's giving me the yeah. heebie-jeebies. Well, whatever it is, it failed. I mean, look well, at all it, the storms. It, it might not. That... It might not have failed yet. <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, predictions aside, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to chat Absolutely. with us, we have a Facebook page, Special Unit Three Five Two, and Instagram and Twitter at. at 
at, at SU352podcast. Uh, we also have an email, which is specialunit352 uh, at gmail.com. Please, please, please send us your predictions or questions. And if you got news for us that we don't, that we didn't pick up on or didn't cover, uh, please share it. Or if you think <laughs> we're like completely to- wrong, please uh, please tell us how much you love the Martez sisters. I'm yeah, please dying feel free to hear it. <laughs> um, the good one and the bad one. <laughs> <laughs> the good one and the bad one. Uh, please rate and review us on your favorite uh, podcast listening apps because that is the only way that we will show up in their algorithms. Uh, we look forward to talking with you next week. And as Peyton always says, May the folks be with you.